good to have Randy Needy Nelson with us. And I'm going to ask uh, Randy when he comes to give a little, little, just a little background, his experience here at Grace and some of the other missionaries that have gone on to be with the Lord and, and their relationship uh, to them and uh, how that's uh, all related. And then also just uh, uh, whatever the Lord lays on his heart. But uh, Randy, come on up. And they've been over in... Uh, Thailand for, is it eight years or 12, eight years, about eight years, and he'll give you all the information, but uh, let's, let's bless our dear brother. Okay, how about, oh boy, there we go, yes, okay, well, if you didn't hear the first part, it was that we love you very much, <laughs> so, um, Anyway, we're, uh, just uh, want to uh, tell you, beginning, uh, that uh, my wife just returned from uh, Canada where her auntie, Aunt Ellen, I think, uh, Ellen Gilman, who you, Grace Bible, uh, so faithfully prayed for, supported uh, for many, many years. She was in Thailand 45 years, and she was one of your missionaries. has gone to also be with the Lord and uh, just recently, and uh, she lived to 93 uh, her last days were characterized with, Lord, I am ready. <laughs> so he, he answered her prayers in a very wonderful way. And uh, she would uh, say to you here, thank you, Grace Bible, for your faithfulness and prayers to me. And uh, we'll just bring that message to you in that way. Um, and also, thank you so much uh, also for your prayers for Edie and I. Um, we also... Our home, I, we've been home since October 22nd, uh, back here in the U.S. We uh, had eye surgery on the 26th of October, and uh, before that, I was seeing triple vision, which was kind of unusual and weird, and <laughs> I was so glad to get uh, uh, the things they can do with uh, medicine these days is quite amazing, and uh, the eye operation was quite successful, so praise the Lord, and... Uh, now I'm, uh, I'm seeing the proper, proper vision with a little bit of shadow, and so uh, thank the Lord. Uh, I, I've been blessed with great vision all my life. I do not know, I cannot sympathize with any of you who have had to wear eyeglasses or had trouble with your vision, so I'm, we're, we're so blessed for that, so thank you so much. And um, uh, just wanted to begin today, just uh, again, I, I, I want to say thanks uh, so much to the Lord. He is so good. He has done such amazing things. And uh, I can't even begin to tell you, I, I, I thought about bringing slides today, but no, I'm not going to do that. You can think about the pictures. I'm going to tell you testimonies today. I want to encourage you greatly that, uh, oh my goodness, uh, he is so wonderful. So there's two scriptures that come to mind that I really want to uh, begin with today. And uh, these are ones that uh, have been close to my heart. I prayed uh, so much that I wanted to share these with you today. And then I want to follow with uh, some stories and some testimonies and things that we've, we've done. But Psalms 102, Psalms 102, verses 16 through 22 um, if we had time, we could read the whole scripture, but let's just uh, focus on this because I, I feel it as bearing on, on many things as we look back over our ministry for so many years. Uh, Psalm 102, 16, For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the, na the, the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples of the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. And then also, let's just read uh, Ephesians 3.20. Again, um, the whole book of Ephesians, my favorite. I don't know about you, but uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures. And it's just uh, uh, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that, it is, that is at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, These days, I just want to encourage you that if there's anything that you feel in your heart that's troubling you in any kind, go into the Bible more. (laughs) Read the scripture more. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm speaking that to me. I'm not speaking it just to you. I really have, have learned that uh, all the things you hear about in the earth today get back into just reading your word because the promises of God are true. And I want to share testimony with you today about how wonderful, how mighty, how immeasurable these, uh, uh, the power that is working in, inside of us can be. And, uh, and what has really been the... The, uh, the, the, the foundations of which what has happened in our lives has come from the Lord looking down from heaven upon his people, caring and loving for his people on this earth. Many years ago, I think many of you know, we went to Kenya, East Africa in 1979 among an unreached nomadic tribal group there. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, we, there was absolutely no churches where we were. We studied language. We lived among the people in, uh, and stayed there for 14 years. In 1993, we left and went to the uh, most opposite world, uh, most opposite location than could be than in a, a desert of four to six people. We went to a country called Thailand, Bangkok, Thailand, where it's four to six people per square foot. So it's uh, quite, a, quite a different place. Uh, and then uh, we also served in the Philippines for nearly five years, and then we've been back in Thailand since then. So uh, it's been a career um, uh, serving the Lord uh, and following daily what he asks us to do. Believe me, uh, we had no idea what we were doing, but he did. And if, if he knows what he's doing and uh, we follow what he asks us to do, uh, that's all I can do is give all the glory to him. Uh, since, uh, praise the Lord, yes, praise the Lord. It, in, in 1993, when we left there, if you had asked me, Randy, uh, well, how was it? You know, 14 years, did you get those churches planted? You know, how many people came to the Lord? Did you, did you, were you successful? I said, no, I only planned to stay here six years. It's been longer than that. And I'm so discouraged because our last few years there ended in a great famine in the land. And we were feeding, literally feeding people to keep them alive that had actually come to know the Lord. And if you'd said, Randy, was it successful? I said, oh, you know, my goodness, uh, I have to give you a mixed report today about how things went. But we did leave seven churches there that uh, were small, struggling, leadership was, uh, well, very little leadership. <laughs> but, uh, but God did what we couldn't do, far more than what we ever asked for. Why? Because he was looking down from heaven. I remember from the first day we went to this area, we'd, we'd gone there, we'd studied language for a year, and we uh, went up to the location uh, where, the, uh, where we were eventually going to settle and live. And it was, wasn't it but a year and a half into that ministry that we met a woman, a Turkana woman, uh, maybe in her 60s, I would guess. And uh, uh, she, of course, we could speak the language by then, and she introduced herself. We were talking to her, and she was saying, thank the, the Lord. She said, before you came for many years, I would go out when, when, and look up to heaven, and I would, because I, they knew there was a creator God. They just didn't know who Jesus Christ was. But they would, she'd look up to heaven and she'd say, God, if you're, if you're real, if you're real, please send help up to us. Show us, your, show us who you are. And she said that to us, and I, I've always remembered that, that this, this is amazing that God had already placed people on the earth who have been crying out to him and him answering their prayers. That's why this Psalm 102 just really reminds me. He looks upon the destitute. He looks down from heaven. He's, he's coming down to release those who, uh, who are held captive and to be released. And uh, praise the Lord for that, that, that <laughs> he had already prepared the way for us. That one thing, that one experience with that one woman carried us for 14 years through the desert, through harsh 
living conditions, through things that are far beyond our capability. We only go back in these days just, and I'm just in amazement every time I'm there and I look around and I go, we used to live here? Were we crazy? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I did. I used to travel this road and I used to live here. What about our children? We used to live out in a place that's very dangerous. I mean, in all kinds of ways. What, what were we thinking, you know? Like these days they'd say, that's child abuse. You didn't raise children out here. What's wrong with you? You know, it was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, that power working in it, far, doing far more than we could ever ask. We didn't have these great super strength abilities to do that. You know, phew, boy, just think about the times we were sick, malaria, all these different things. Our children got sick, broke their arms, had to be driven to hospitals miles and miles away. Driving through the night in Africa is not recommended at all <laughs> and not suggested in any way. But, but, the grace of God working far more. I'm saying this to you today, brothers and sisters, because I want to encourage you about every part of your life, every place you are, every person you meet, everywhere you go, everything you do. Remember, it's the same Jesus Christ, whether it's in Africa, whether it's right here in Redwood City and all points in between. You know, out there in the desert, there's a little sign not far from where we live that said the ends of the earth. We were close. <laughs> Others have pushed it out a little more now. But, uh, but you know, God is so good. He is so good to, to do these things far more than what we ever ask or think or do. And uh, <clears throat> uh, later, we, of course, we went to, the, the, went to Thailand. We went there to, to really do the same thing, church planning, leadership, you know, evangelism, develop, develop strategies for church growth. Anything that we could have learned in the deserts of Africa could have been applied to the church here. And we suddenly realized there were so many churches in Thailand and pastors struggling away and very few results. And the people were not as receptive as they were in Africa. And so we came to understand that uh, our best efforts were to pray. This was one thing that was missing, that people, uh, I did not see a lot of people really praying and trusting the Lord. Again, uh, these very scriptures that uh, would be uh, close to us, we would share our testimonies from Kenya. They'd listen. They thought, wow, that's great, but this is Thailand. You don't understand the difference. These are all Buddhist people. They don't want to know about the Lord. They don't want to hear of, of all your stories of Africa and, and so on and so forth. So um, we, we found that there was a, uh, a stronghold, a, a, a resistance to the gospel there, that what is going to happen here? What is going to change this? And so uh, as we began to pray and thinking that we were going to have this beautiful church in Bangkok someday that was going to be thousands of people and growing and so forth, instead we wound up in a city in Thailand called Pattaya that was uh, one of the darkest, uh, spiritually darkest and also most toughest cities in Southeast Asia and uh, a city just full of the awful things that should never be seen on the earth. And no, we didn't end up with this wonderful big church that we ever thought that we would have. And boy, did we feel inadequate for the position and the place that the Lord sent us. And we had to, again, return to these scriptures. Well, wait a minute. This is not our ministry. Lord, this is your ministry. Lord, these are, we are here because of what is inside of us that you have put in us. And if we listen, so we listened carefully. We looked over the situation. He looked down from heaven. We looked here on earth. And we could see the people were imprisoned, destitute, poor and hungry, hurting. These were not women sitting in bars that were just joyfully happy with what was going on in their life. They were broken from the inside out, abandoned by families, trafficked into places. That's a more common word these days. We didn't even know it in those days. And the Lord, he, he gave us his heart for them. Well, what would we do? And that's but, with, but to reach out to them and actually show great love to them. The best thing that we could do. And we ended up having a banquet for them and 
many came to the Lord and our ministry started to flourish down there. It's not what we wanted to do. And it couldn't have been so different than our ministry in Africa. And again, uh, you know, the lesson you want to learn in those days is that your best idea, your best vision, your best thing that you think is out there that God's going to use you for can be totally different from what he actually is going to do with your life. And I hope that will share, share that with you, some of you today, because, you know, I, I feel right now that the day is quickly coming upon all of us when we are going to be doing amazing things for the Lord on this earth. And, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be light in the darkness. We're going to bring hope to the hopeless. We're going to bring so much help to people that are in pain and misery from fear and all kinds of things. And because of him, that power working inside of us, it is, will be defeating that exactly day after day. And truth must prevail. Oh, my goodness, the truth is getting twisted so badly on this earth. Not just here. Everywhere, everywhere, we run into so much twisting of the truth. And we've got to stick to the word. We've got to ground ourselves in it. And that's the place that you can you speak boldly from. It's not from you anyway. It's from the Lord. It's his truth. And it needs to be preached, taught, understood, counseled with everything that we have within us to do that. So... When, <laughs> when we finally uh, um, saw that in this city, the Lord took what we did there, took the, opened up ministries. Now, we, now in this city, there are great things going on there. Uh, many, many new churches, many new ministries reaching out to people. It's as, if, it's as if hope came to the city by him to, to people that that basically had no hope at all. I don't know about the word hope. I haven't studied it well. I should. But it is an amazing thing. And if you don't have it, oh my goodness. Oh, I don't think I could live on the earth without hope. <laughs> oh, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. We, we, we believe that love broke down the barriers of the darkness in that city. By showing those 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 men and women in that city actually that that are in this uh, uh, business there uh, of selling themselves off like this in a very very poor way, prostituting themselves that when they saw the light when they saw what was what the truth was when they saw a way out they responded and they went and went for it in full force so. We ended up with a, a church there that we only were going to run, start, and leave in six months to somebody else. That's been 12 years ago now, and so we're, we're, we're getting there, <laughs> but we're not there yet. But anyway, it's pretty much, pretty much turned over, and our team there is doing so well. But I want to go back to northwestern Kenya, to Turkana, and just give you some... Some, uh, some lessons learned, some updates there, some things that I feel relate well to the scripture in those days. As I say, um, we, uh, we left churches there and went away. And then when we came back again, we began to uh, work together with pastors from, from all over the region, basically. Many churches had spread. We, we're reaching close to 50% Christian in the land now. This is wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and uh, uh, we we saw though that the what are the things looking God looking down from heaven wanting to do whatever He wants to do Lord show us the way what is it and the main thing the main issue in those days this was in the last decade was that there was much tribal fighting to the point that no peace in the land. Churches could not grow where they needed to grow. Pastors could not go to areas to evangelize. And people were hungry because they could not avail of the rich grazing lands on the outer parts of the district because too close to the borders of other tribes that would kill and steal each other's innocence. In other words, men, women, and children, herders, that they would come in and take their animals and kill people and run off with their animals. This is back and forth tribal raiding. And it was in those, in this last decade, it was rampant around the year 2002. So 
the Lord directed, get the pastors together and pray. We have churches, 200 more churches now, not just our churches, but all, all churches in the land. Get them together and let's begin to pray for the district. And we had one prayer meeting and then the next thing that happened was the pastors themselves said, well, we're pretty much reconciled together. We have our theological differences or whatever, but we love one another and we love the Lord with all our heart. But what about our enemies? And, and I said, well, goodness, it's been reported that among the other tribal groups, too, they also have so many churches, so many Christians. Why should there be any fighting like this if so many people believe in the Lord? And so it happened so that then uh, they said, well, let's, let's bring our enemies together. How can we do it? And we, the upshot was we, uh, six months later, had called a, va- a pretty big meeting, and it included five different tribal groups. And they said, Randy, you know, the people who are actually doing the fighting, the warriors, the ones that carry those guns and go out and shoot and kill and take animals, they're not going to come to your meeting. You know that. I said, yeah, and I don't want them to come to our meeting either. <laughs> Leave your guns behind if you do. But, but, um, but no, I said, really, uh, this is a problem that we need to begin with, with the church, with the leaders of the church or the churches need to, need to pray about and come together and, and pray about these things. And so we brought together pastors and leaders from all over these tribal groups to represent and come forth pre confessing our sins to one another and to the Lord. And because of that, uh, God taking our little (laughs) efforts there in that, uh, he did far more (laughs) than we could ever ask for, far more immeasurable things. I mean, we had so many wonderful days. Actually, the fighting after these reconciliation meetings and the, the, uh, the putting down of weapons in the spiritual sense created ways uh, that the pastors and leaders knew within their tribal groups of how to go to the actual fighters, to go to the families that war with one another and talk to them about, hey, let's give peace a chance here. You know, there's resources here that we can avail of. Let's divide the land up equitably and let's stop this raiding one another. And they even went to each other's schools to talk to the children in the schools across the tribal barriers went to each other's schools and talked about, hey, children, I'm from this tribe, you're from this tribe, but I tell you that I am not your enemy, and I don't want to ever be your enemy in the future. And it had such an effect on the children. We have a generation now that is refusing to go to any kind of war, And we're starting to see that the borders are opening up now and that people are able to graze their animals in there. And this has been helping because there's just famine is just rampant in this land year after year. Far more than what we thought we had ever seen. But God kept bringing it higher, taking it more and more than what we thought would happen. And then the, the pastor said, well, listen, now that that's been accomplished, there's such a great peace about the land. And, and now we're faced with famine. We don't have enough food. And I, I know in 2011, and I know Grace Bible, you helped us tremendously in those days. We had, we had a serious situation in 2011, 2012, 2013. We were taking food there to remote locations. We were buying camels to restock. There was a camel disease, and the people were just... Uh, so thankful and so grateful. And during those days, we prayed together with, uh, again, in several locations. And everywhere we handed out food, we asked the people, let's pray. And what did they want to pray? They wanted to pray, Lord, send rain. We want rain. If we have rain, we can have grass. If we can have grass, we can have milk and meat for our children and our families. Lord, send your rain. And he answered their prayer. And we thought, thank goodness, thank the Lord. Wow, (laughs) that's powerful. You pray in August, in November we got rains. Wow, (laughs) and good rains, and the grass grew up. And we thought, thank you, Lord, that's wonderful. Guess we're past that one. But then, no, the next year, same thing happens again. 
So I said, well, as, as it is before, and, all, and the pastors there too agreed, we've, we've, got to, we've got to redouble our efforts, we've got to pray, we've got to keep asking. And I'll tell you, one thing that I've learned from, from peoples of other cultures is, is that it is, um, when they pray, it's such a simple prayer. It's, it's not complicated. I mean, if you really want to dissect the, the language and listen, it's just basically, help! <laughs> <You know>? Help! <laughs> We're dying here, you know. And, and the Lord really was like, to them, like, well, yeah, it makes sense. He wouldn't allow us to become a million people in a land with no food. I mean, does it make sense that the Lord would, would raise up tribes and peoples in places and yet not have resource for them to eat, not have the things that we all enjoy? What is going on? Something's wrong here. This does not make sense. And so as they, they prayed with that realization, they said, well, maybe we're not asking for enough. Maybe we need more than just rain. I mean, maybe we need to think about growing crops ourselves. But everyone said, yeah, try to grow a crop with less than four inches of rain a year in a hot, torrid zone. <laughs> so, but they did. They prayed that way in, in simple faith. Lord, one day we're going to see farms in this area. One day we're going to see schools par excellence in this area. Lord, we're going to see even universities here. And the biggest prayer request, which all the pastors were so happy about, a soccer stadium, which is so important, as you know. <laughs> and so uh, prayers that in, in a place remote as this could never happen, would never be. You know this has got to be just simple faith. And then, to our surprise, in the year 2012, um, March, I believe it was, the Lord said, the Lord revealed that there was oil in the ground, in the, in the area. Not a little bit of oil, but a massive oil find. After 30 years of research, the oil companies found oil there. This is... Uh, this is uh, interesting because all the major companies that you probably hear about and know about had come in, couldn't find oil, and left. And then a little small oil company from Ireland came in called Tulo. And within a few months found oil. And found another, another oil place of oil and another one. And there's five, six locations now. They say it's already over one billion barrels are underground. Good oil. Pastors were, of course, saying, sure, we just prayed, you know, God would help us out, of course. <laughs> no, no, they were exuberant. <laughs> they were, like, shocked, too. Well, nobody's, nobody knows exactly how that oil is going to benefit everybody very quickly and solve famine and all of that things. But it, we, we, they didn't stop there. They continued to pray for rain and continued to trust the Lord for the things that they didn't have. And one year later the Lord revealed that there were three underground aquifers in the land, in the region. And, and, and BBC comes out with this banner headline that just shocks all of Kenya and anyone who's interested in this, that they found enough water, underground aquifers, that's enough water for the entire country of Kenya for 70 years. 70 years. That's their estimate of how deep and how many. And the shallowest well would be 50 meters. They deep, go deeper than that. But, but, and I guess for those of you who know a little about farming, that's not far to draw water out of the ground. So and I think we can say about California too. We had, a, we had water problems in our history way, way back. And they found oil in the Central Valley underground and aquifers and so forth. And but, uh, but this was just, again, quite amazing. So as you can see, um, now we're looking at a very, very interesting situation in the area now. And uh, the whole place is beginning to change. Uh, the people themselves are, uh, this is all new to them to see all this focus on their region. Basically, they've made headlines. Even, what, what is that called? The Economic Report, Economic uh, magazine 
economist. They got a lead article in there about it and everything. And, you know, they're just, everyone's just amazed. This was the land in Kenya that the rest of Kenya did not regard as being, you know, uh, oh, this is a wasteland. And the people there are, you know, they're kind of backward. You know, I mean, the rest, they've had schools and other things in the rest of the part of Kenya for many years and many universities and so forth. And so the, the pastors, if you can imagine, always were proud of their land and their people, but they could never convince anybody else. And so, but nowadays, when you, when they go to the big city, oh my goodness, what a change. Uh, well, you're from Turkana. That's good. Come here. Sit down, brother. <laughs> Come on over here at the table. <laughs> Let's have a talk. And all of a sudden, uh, this is a very interesting thing. They've been able to say, well, as for us, we're thankful to the Lord, number one. He's the one that took care of our needs. We are glad that we are not a detriment to the rest of the world and to Kenya. We're a proud people who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us the resources. He dis- well, he showed us the resources that we had that we didn't think we had. And he has now made us more of an asset to the country of Kenya. And now we feel restored to the nation. And that's huge in these places among these groups of people that, that's so, uh, it's so important for them to feel apart. If you're not, you're in Iceland. You're an island. You're, you're isolated arrest from the, uh, from the rest of the country and so forth. So this was amazing discovery. Uh, I, 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 could, I could give you m- many stories of what's happening there now, but uh, I'm just going to share a few things with you here. Uh, by the way, uh, just last month, they did open up a university in there, a brand new university with all the stuff <laughs> it was built. And so uh, now we're gonna, they're going to be able to go to college there. Their children are going to go to school. The schools are starting to improve uh, we still need some roads, but gonna, there's projections for a train to go up there. They're going to find a way to ship the oil out. There's all kinds of things. The pastors are very busy these days thinking about the future for their people and thanking the Lord and saying, you know, we're busy. We're, we're not sure how all this is going to work, but we're, but we're certain of one thing. The gospel is going to go through to the rest of our land now because now we have resource to get out to the furthest places to be able to reach the people, and we're going to do so and uh, plant more churches and see more people. Very receptive society. Well, one interesting story, let me tell you quickly before I go on. Uh, recently, we had an opportunity to have two of these pastors come to Thailand. One of them was already on his way there for a conference that he was invited to. Like I say, suddenly they kind of moved up in the world. <laughs> and so they, uh, he said, hey, can so-and-so come with? They said, sure, come on over. And I said, you can pray. You can go to the Thai churches and share your, your testimonies. I mean, I've told them, and they think it's great. But they, if they hear it from you, this would be great. So they came over and shared in a, in a few churches there, not really realizing what, what was in them. What was in them was faith beyond what we see in the Thai churches. You know, in Thailand, we also have some, a lot of difficulties. And in these last few years, there's been major difficulties there coming against our efforts there to, 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 uh, to grow churches. But they were able to come in and say, look, this is our place. This is our land that had nothing. This is a place where only if God moved powerfully in such a way could anything ever change here for us. And our people were in jeopardy of losing their very lives and being displaced. People who have to go live somewhere else to be able to make ends meet, to be able to live and have food to eat. And yet God answered our prayer. Those pastors were so... Uh, full of faith, but they didn't even understand how much that meant to the Thai people. When you have seen this happen in your own life, you go, it's not a, not a thing of pride or a thing that you think, oh my goodness, I, I have so much faith because, no, it's not like that. It's just simple faith. They just went and shared, look, we prayed and this is what God did. And everybody was totally amazed. And I think they brought a level of hope to the Thai church again that have been missing for many, many years. You know, they've really been, been struggling a lot in Thailand these days. And, and there is a loss of hope in some ways, especially in the government and things like this. 
things are changing very slowly there. And I don't know if it's heading in the right direction even today. We're praying for, for change in Thailand, as like we've seen in Kenya. But these pastors were so funny, uh, just hilarious. And I know that many of you, if you've been to Thailand before, you know that Thai food is extremely spicy, right? It's really hot. And uh, most people don't like it. And uh, so I thought, wow, these, are, these pastors are eating anything. You know, they, they've been <laughs> hungry all their lives, you know. I've never seen anybody more picky about food in my whole life. <laughs> I mean, they were complaining about every little bit of, what's that? What's that? I said, that's a chili. Oh, no, I can't eat that, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, they're used to very plain food. So it was, it was quite hilarious uh, taking them around and trying to find how to feed them. It was all very difficult, so, but, but fun at the same time. They, they noted, too, among the Thai church that there was uh, a sort of a lack of faith that God, God can do what he says he can do. So it was really, really meaningful to have them there. Um, we, uh, we, we say this to our, and we pray these prayers and we ask God, you know, Lord, where, where can we have an effect on the nation? What can we do that will really start to influence? What, what are the, what are the key things, Lord? I'm asking for higher things. I, these days, I don't know about you, but I ask for, after this thing in Kenya, I ask for more. <laughs> I ask for the big stuff too. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to see it. I mean, we're, we're, we're going for a borehole in Africa and in Kenya right now, out in the plains where the, uh, the, the, the nomadic people are. They, I've been out there. I've been with the elders there. These are elders that uh, own this land. Uh, they were the very first Christians in the land 30, 30 plus years ago. I was with them there in their homes when there was only a few people there. And, and they know me for, a lot, for, for so many years. And they said, Randy, we're really, really worried about our future. I said, I said uh, they said, we are nomads. We are pastoralists. We, we have to have animals. We can't do farming. We don't know farming. And yet their sons and the younger generations that have gone to school are saying, well, uh, you know, we're, we're believing that we can use this water, we can grow farms. But the older men were very, you know, as you get older, you get a little bit nervous about your life, maybe a little bit, and how it's going to be. And you worry about your children. They worry about their children just like we worry about our children. But they're saying, we can't live here with the amount of food we have. We can't stay here as nomads. Our population has tripled here. And as you look around this area, you can see there's so many more homes there, so many more people. And yet it's not sustainable. As even in the meetings I were in, I was looking at the children and they're thin, you know, and everything. And I'm going, and this is, be, and this is even with the, the, the food we're bringing and others have been bringing. Yes, this is even with that. We still are not doing well. And, and they tell, food organizations are already warning us we've got to do something where we can't continue to bring you food up here forever and ever. And so they say, you know, what can we do? And again, I said, look, um, God knows that you are past. He made you pastors. You are, you are experts at living in a land which no one else on the earth can live on here. I mean, if I took you there today, brothers and sisters, you look around and you go, I can't live here. There's no food. There's not even a 7-Eleven nearby. I mean, there's nothing. There's just absolutely no water, no living thing, you know, and there's these few animals out there. And how does that work? And, uh, uh, but they know how. And they're saying that even then we can't do it. So as we prayed together, they said, okay, we have a good piece of land out here that we're going to turn into farming. And Randy, do you think that's a good idea? Let's see. Let me think. Uh, is that a good idea? <laughs> I, yes, it's a wonderful idea. You need, to, you need to turn this into farming some way or another so that you can have food for your families and you can even have food for your animals. And they were, they were really questioning even then if that was going to work and they said okay so we're going to we're going to build a demonstration farm a borehole demonstration farm just to give them a chance to see what it all looks like before they start expanding out and and again raising more food and we're thankful for that 
Um, <clears throat> but we we are we are excited uh, for uh, the opportunity to to have an influence in this area. And again, it's it's a critical time. We're really really f- trusting the Lord for all those things. I want to I want to share briefly, and then we're gonna we're gonna close about uh, a little bit about our work up in the northeast of Thailand. So let's jump from Turkana, Kenya, over to Thailand quickly, and uh, tell you that. Uh, all of our work in the city of Padia has been fantastic. In fact, the Lord surprised us uh, a year and a half ago uh, with uh, a center, sort of a, a big building that was a children's center that a young couple had to abandon. They had set it all up, and they had four children. And when you have four children in a city like that, anything can happen, and you can be home, <laughs> back home to the States fast, and that's what happened. And they had to leave it. And uh, we, upshot was we ended up taking that on uh, simply because we, we felt it was the most strategic place in this city because there's ch- children out on the streets there and there are, uh, sad to say, pedophiles that come from all over the world to this city. And so they're in danger at all times. And uh, we, we, we said, no, we're not going to lose ground here simply because we don't have anybody immediately. We're going we're to take this on in faith. And immediately God sent resources for uh, the, the rent on the place. He sent resources for, a, for staff team, you know, to, to, to run it. We got, got everything we needed together very quickly and were able to get going and running. We are so thankful to the Lord. We asked, Lord, help us to maintain this place. He took it far more patiently, <laughs> higher than we ever think. We actually have such good, good team and staff. They're visionary. These are actually women who 10 years ago used to be sitting in those very bars that are now out of those things, redeemed of the Lord, totally healed, and out preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. They go to bars twice a week and, and talk to women there and share with them about the Lord and, and say, you've got to get out of here. We're going to find a way for you to get out of here. You've got to come. You've got to receive the Lord. We need to pray for you. We opened up an English class there now. Uh, we were first focusing on the children. Now we have an English class, and we have a young woman named Hannah who's from New York who's 24 years old and out there just doing her amazing, amazing. I, I would love to send her to you here sometime for you to hear from her. She is amazing, a godsend from the Lord. She just knows exactly what to do. And she teaches English there to 20 women that are basically still in the bars, but yet come to an English class where they hear uh, not just about how to learn English, but they hear the message of the Lord. And they're that so far, as we've seen, these women come earlier, stay longer, and will not leave unless they get prayer <laughs> and, time, and time to hear the Lord. So, and, and 12 of them have already received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. So we're, we're really, really excited about that and uh, going on from there. But to get to the root, we have to go, where, where is this city? Why are all these young people coming from the northeast of Thailand? Why are they coming down to this city? What is the, can't they find other jobs? Why can't they go to school? So years ago, uh, almost two years, I guess it's been two years exactly in November, we started a program to go to English, uh, to schools to teach English. Primarily because the schools wanted us to come. They wanted to have native English, English speakers in their schools for as much time as we could, could give to help their older students, uh, graduating students, to practice their English. And so we said, sure. But then we also saw this is a great opportunity for us to kind of help plant some seeds of going, taking your life in a different direction. You would be shocked. You would be totally shocked, as I was, and we all were, to be in a classroom when one of our team members asked the students, what are you going to do when you graduate? And... Are you going to are you going to go down to the city of Padilla and look for work there? And hands will go up all over the room. What? Yes, yes. We know that that's the best city where you go and make money for your family. We're all going down to this city. We're shocked, just shocked. Where does this come from? Why are you? Why, what is that about? You know what's down there. You, your parents know what's down there. You mean your parents let you go there? Oh, yeah, my parents told me that I needed to go to work there. I need to find a job there. Oh, my goodness. 
So we've discovered that there is a root there that must be dealt with if we're ever going to see something change in that city. So we're thankful to the Lord. And again, we asked for more. We said, Lord, take it. You know, Lord, how can we defeat this? What is it going to take? We must get to the families. We must get to the root of the problem, find out what's going on here. Why is this happening? And so we've had a wonderful season. We continue to do so. I'm still hoping and praying. I know you were going to send a team out, and I hope that we'll have a wonderful team here. We'll go to these schools. Just want to assure you, too, that it's not just us now. There's there's many. uh, I keep hearing of other groups that are going to the Northeast schools for English with this message. So we we got an opportunity to start something that went beyond our own capacity (laughs) And schools are being visited regularly to tell, tell the young people about a future and a hope. Going in a different direction with your life. Going to get an education versus going to just take immediate work in this city. Of very dubious kinds of work. But praise the Lord. We're seeing a breakthrough there. And, uh, and we're seeing a change begin to take place. We're seeing... We're seeing that families are beginning to show up at the schools, talk to our team. We've been given an opportunity to get to know the principals of the school. We've had a chance to, show, uh, to talk to some of the parents of the school and start talking to them. And everywhere you go, you want to know that the light of Jesus Christ in you is so powerful over this little level of darkness? You think, oh, that's a big thing, Randy. That's so dark. They're never going to believe. I tell you, you speak truth in the name of Jesus Christ, and he, the light that's in you, breaks that. It's like people just wake up. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, 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 seriously, now, I, we've had this vantage point for so long, that's why I can stand here and tell you this. We don't, it's not as easy to see in places, but this one is quite clear. It's as if there is a stupor upon the people. Like, what are you, crazy? You're thinking letting your kids go down here? Even the Kenyans who starved to death would never do that. For anything. And it's as if they just, oh, you know, yes, smile, smile. You know, Thai people love to smile, but it doesn't mean they're always happy. (laughs) But they smile for many reasons. But this smile is like, I see something I've never seen before. And if you can imagine a country where everyone worshipped idols, you've been, if you've been born in that country, you were dedicated to idols. If you grew up as a family there, you worshipped idols daily. 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 Darkness. Darkness. Darkness in your life every day. So, is that a heavy darkness? Is it tough? Is it difficult? No. Because the light is so much brighter, so much stronger, so much able to defeat that darkness in you. And I tell you, that's why I continue to bring people over from America. I don't care where country. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you there sometime. And I want you before the people in any capacity just because of that, to dispel the darkness that exists in their lives. And then good things have always come from it. You know, we had a group come over that was a a music musicians. These were Hollywood quote, professional people. They, they work in the secular uh, music uh, industry. Some of them back up famous secular singers and people I don't in music I'm not aware of and know, but everyone else does. And they are born-again Christians, love the Lord with all their heart, and they wanted to come out. They came out and we took them to the schools. And they said, Randy, is there a way we could use our music in some way? And again, I prayed, Lord, what was it going to be? <laughs> what are we going to do? I know that in Padia, we used to go into bars and we would just start worshiping the Lord in a bar using their instruments there. And that really had a great effect. And actually, we saw a lot of people come to the Lord. But this is the country. What are we going to do out here? And, I, and, and our team member up there uh, said, well, Randy, uh, I'll look around. I'll see if I can find a venue that would be suitable for Hollywood people to come and play music. <laughs> She went to a bar out on the direction of the Lord. It's a bar, restaurant. It's kind of on the side of a road. It doesn't look wonderful, but they have a radio station, FM, that broadcasts to the whole of the Northeast. She gets an appointment there and meets the owner's wife there. The first words 
from the owner's wife to her before they began their meeting about us using their venue, her owner's wife, the owner's wife said, uh, can I ask you a question? Do you know a Christian in here somewhere? I want to become a Christian. I kid you not. These were her words. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I was in shock. Everyone was in shock. This, this is when the Lord confirms that maybe you're on the right track. You know, maybe if you don't follow things like that, I tell you, there's no hope. <laughs> but that was the truth. And she said, well, I'm a Christian. And yes, I'm going to tell you all about the Lord. She led her to the Lord. We got the venue for two nights. On the opening night, the owner's wife could not be there for the opening. She was uh, been asked to come, coincidentally, to a big meeting in Bangkok. A gala event of some kind. And we didn't know what it was about. But the next night, she comes back to the second night of, the, of, the, of, our, of our outreach there. And she's all, oh my goodness, her face was shining so bright. You could see her a mile off. You know, something wonderful happened in Bangkok while we were at her place up in, in the Northeast here at this bar and restaurant uh, performance place. I see, you see, first thing she wanted to tell her, she said, Randy, I don't know. I said, I'm just breathless. I said, what happened? She said, well, when you guys were playing here last night, I was in Bangkok at a very interesting meeting, and the royal princess of Thailand was there. And uh, I've seen her before. I've never, you know, she doesn't just talk to anybody. She, in fact, most of the time, she never, you, you talk to, to her. You don't, uh, you know, you have to be very respectful. You have to keep your head lower than hers, you know. And, and uh, she came to me. He was standing there, and she walked over to me, and she said, can you tell me, about what's going on at your bar and restaurant in the Northeast. What? <laughs> what? She was shocked. How do you know about my bar? Well, I heard you have a bar and restaurant. Can you tell me about how the city's doing? Maybe you can tell me, give me an update on this little town. Oh, my goodness. And she was able to share with her how things were going and made a relationship and saying, hey, come up to Khao Yai. You can perform your ceremony up there, whatever, you know. And, and this was all happening at the same time. The next thing that happened on the second night that we were unaware of is that this, this, this team from Hollywood played a wonderful song. It's something they wrote called Sailor Come Home. It's about the prodigal son, basically. It's, it's you know, we don't take our worship songs into just secular places like we sing here. These are worship songs, absolutely. But we take songs that have the same meaning <laughs> to the bars and places. And they wrote a beautiful song called Sailor Come Home. It's about a prodigal son. It's a very, very powerful song. Sang it well. And there was a, a group of men there, uh, foreign men. I think they're actually from the U.S. And um, one of them came up at the end of the performance and said, in tears, just in tears came up to our lead singer. He said, that song broke my heart. He said, I have some work to do. I have, I'm, I'm not here on good reasons in this country. I need to go home. I need to go home. And I need to, I need to also apologize to my, I don't know, wife, girlfriend, or whatever. But he says, I, that, he said, what was that song? What was in that, what was in that song? He that is in you is able to do far more, immeasurably is the word, immeasurably. In other words, you cannot measure far more than what you and I can ever ask or think or do by his power working inside of us. I just want to say, you know, write those words down, keep them with you. He who is able to do, fill in the blank. <laughs> And then because of the power working inside of you, literally, far more. And it's been, I tell you, over and over and over again, God continues to show us this. Randy, did you know this when you were a missionary in your life? I said, no, I just learned that recently. I really did. I re this is a new thing to me today. I didn't know those things. I wish I did. But I know them now. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I know we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion. I've gone on far enough, long enough here, but I want to 
I want to share one final thing that I think is interesting. Um, Edie's parents, you know, passed away uh, recently, 2011, 2012, 93 years old, wonderful life, victorious in every way, missionaries in Tibet and Hong Kong and Taiwan for many, many years. And um, Edie's, uh, we, we were going through their letters and all their things here at home. We've just, we've been home looking at things and that they left behind and going through these letters. And we found some letters that from Edie's father that are not about him and his wife, but about his mother, Edie's grandmother. Her name was Marion Wells. In the year 1909, Marion Wells, at the age of 24, left California here on a steamer during a movement called the Student Volunteer Movement. And, and went to um, an island in the South Pacific. Through her, her letters are very interesting. They talk about waves that, you know, you were just sick the whole time, you know, and, and being tossed about and, you know, drunken German sailors on board with them and whatever else. <laughs> they were just awful stuff. And uh, very eloquently written, written, you know, in that era, everything in 1909, very prim and proper, right? You know, everything had to be just so. And you had to dress for dinner and all these things. So, But she ended up in an island after a roundabout way of getting there, after changing boats four, four or five times, ended up in a small island in the South Pacific called Cursay. Corsay, Cursay. And... Um, and uh, spent her first uh, missionary term there. Later, she married, uh, of course, Edie's grandfather, and they went on to uh, Gilbert Islands and then on to Mindanao and planted 200 churches in the south of Mindanao and Surigao and on, on, on the coast all the way down there. By the way, that's a very strong Muslim area right now. So, But, but, the, but Kersay, this little island, in her letter she writes, Oh, we were met by the people. And in her next sentence, she says, I could see our first task was that we were going to need to make clothes <laughs> because we were met by people wearing the clothes that only God gave them. And uh, so we started. I mean, it's just very detailed. And it's a wonderful story. And in it, there are all these wonderful, wonderful truths about God. Why would somebody at the age of 24, single, you know, go <laughs> out to a place like that? It's the zeal of the Lord. It's, it's that power working inside of us all that, that would cause us to do these, the, the love of the Lord. So today, we've gone back and looked over the island and looked over the history of the island and looked over what's... Do you know today that island is 100% Christian? They haven't had a murder in 30 years. I mean, 70 years. There's no jail. <laughs> No jail. They don't, they don't have alcohol and tobacco. There's not a law against it. It's just nobody uses it. <laughs> nobody wants it. Nobody uses it. I don't have any, I'm not saying any judgment calls here, but just, you know, they don't. They don't. And they love the Lord and they sing wonderfully. We've listened to some of their music. So one day we're going to go visit there. We want to see that place. Brothers and sisters, you have a heritage in all of this. You have been with this family for many, many years. Edie's uh, grandfather on her mother's side preached the gospel right here in this church for many years as your pastor. And um, God doesn't forget. Never forgets. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful so much for your goodness and grace, Lord. And we're thankful, Lord, that you look down from heaven, from your sanctuary on high, to see the groans of the prisoners and those condemned to die, to release those who are held captive. Lord, we thank you that in this day, Father, that you have a plan of salvation for everybody on this earth, everybody right here in Redwood City, Lord, and out from here everywhere, Lord. And we know, Father, that you have, you have, have given us Jesus Christ in such great measure, Lord, that, that we cannot even imagine what can be done with our lives in these days. Lord, use us powerfully in the days ahead. And may we see your kingdom and glory come, Father, in great measure as the peoples of this earth, Father, are going to worship you day and night, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother.
Appreciate that. Good work. So we're going to prepare our hearts for our communion time. I just want to read a portion of scripture out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You can follow along in your Bibles if you like. Beginning in verse 1, it says, For since the law has but a uh, shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consequences of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into this world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And when he said, Above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter a holy the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When I pray for our communion time together and uh, in a moment uh, after our prayer the men will get up and distribute the the cracker and as the elements are passed we practice an open communion here in other words you don't have to be a member of this church but we would request that you be a member of uh, the body of Christ in other words you're a Christian if you're not a Christian here today um, you can just pass these elements to the next person no one will judge you in any way but the, the, this, this time is for people who know Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've committed their life to him. They've accepted his work on Calvary for the forgiveness of their sins. And these crackers and this juice that we're about to partake of together as the body of Christ, um, these aren't holy elements. These are just symbols. And they symbolize the body of Christ and they symbolize the blood of Christ. And... Uh, 
they have no uh, means of salvation in them. Um, if you're saved, you're already saved by the work of Christ on the cross. And so we would encourage you as believers to partake of our communion time together, whether you're a member here or not of this particular church, but more importantly, that you're a member of uh, the body of Christ. And so let me pray and uh, for the uh, our communion time, and then we'll start to sing a part of a song. And as they're handing out the uh, bread, passing out around the bread, and then we'll pray together and partake together. Father, we thank you for this time and service where we can gather together. And Lord, we thank you for the words that we heard from our brother Randy and, and Lord, just the work that you're doing and the encouragement that you sowed in his heart. And Lord, we know that uh, uh, the days coming ahead uh, for the Christian church in general, uh, it may be difficult, but even during those difficult times, uh, you rise above that and you, you prove yourself to be faithful no matter what. And so, Lord, we look forward to that. We pray that we would uh, have that burning and that yearning in our own soul as we go out into a lost and dying world, even as we leave here today. Father, that we would share the message of the hope, uh, the light of Christ that's within us through the power of your spirit, that we could relay the gospel message to those who have yet to hear and understand. And, Father, that we would see many come to Christ not only through Randy's and Edie's ministry over in Thailand and Turkana, but also here in uh, this peninsula that is sometimes a very dark area spiritually uh, in this, this greater Bay Area. And, Lord, you've put this church here for many years as to be a light of your gospel. And, Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to our calling. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would oversee our communion time together and that uh, we would uh, just examine our own hearts during this time as your word commands us to do. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.